I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a weekly podcast from the Post and Courier. Fun fact, it's National Newspaper Week, and as our way of celebrating, we're bringing you a conversation that's about our newspaper. Recently, the Post and Courier named a new executive editor. Autumn Phillips became the paper's managing editor in early 2018, and she stepped into this new role in August. This week, I spoke with Autumn about some of the big things happening for the paper, like fundraising to support investigative journalism, expanding to different markets in the state, and collaborating with community newspapers on stories that expose corruption. All right, let's get right to it. How did you get into journalism? I was in my 20s, and I was traveling around the world, and I was in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, And I met this guy who was my age at the time, 24, and he was the editor of the Mongol Messenger. And for the five weeks I was traveling around Mongolia, whenever I was in the capital city, I would spend time with him and I would watch him. The prime minister was assassinated when I was there and I watched him interview the prime minister's wife and all the new candidates. We would go into restaurants and he was speaking Mongolian and everybody knew him and he just knew everything that was going on. As I watched him, I thought, this is how I want to live. So I went back to the States at the end of that trip and walked into a college newsroom and told him I wanted to be a journalist. And they said, good timing. (laughs) Here's an assignment. And it just took off from there. And this isn't your first time as an executive editor, right? What was your first time being an executive editor? So my first executive editor job, I was 30. And I had been a reporter at the Steamboat Pilot and today in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I thought I would be there forever, skiing on my lunch break, skiing on the weekends, living the ski town life. And I got called in by the publisher and she said, I think you would be good at running a newspaper. Do you wanna try it? I had never thought of it. I said, sure, I'll try it. And they sent me down to Payson, Arizona to a small paper they had there. At the time, it was an afternoon paper. I would show up at work at four in the morning and get the paper out by noon every day and then start the cycle again. That afternoon while people were getting their paper delivered to their driveway um, at three in the afternoon. And at the time, the way we did it was we would lay out the paper and then somebody in the back room would cut and paste every article manually one at a time and put it on the internet and so the whole paper would just show up you know on our website all at once and nobody could comment on anything Uh, we didn't have a paywall of any kind it was it was back in the day when we gave everything away for free and the really the only engagement at the time facebook was just becoming a thing and YouTube was really becoming a thing and MySpace, which doesn't even exist anymore, was really the place that people wanted to be. And I did have a little crew of high school kids that would write for the paper and we had a MySpace page for those those kids. Everything's changed since then. Now we keep the website updated. Uh, all day, every day, deep into the night. 
We're constantly in touch with our readers. You know, we have Facebook groups for subscribers. We have newsletters that are going out every single day. Couldn't be a more different world. Was there something specific about newspapers when you decided that you wanted to go into journalism? Did you want to be working at newspapers? Because you've stayed at newspapers throughout your career. You know, you look back on your life and you can't always tell what was a conscious decision and what, you know, was life unfolding for you. I did try my hand at radio. I was the news director of WMPG in Portland, Maine for a time. But yeah, I'm a writer in my heart. And so to me, journalism was as much about writing as it is about reporting. So it was just a natural fit for me. And then I love that feeling of doing great work and then going to the grocery store and walking down the aisle and somebody stops you and comments on it. Or they come up to your table at a restaurant and they comment on it. And you feel like you're an integral part of the community. You feel like you're giving something back. And that gives me a sense of purpose. Where were you before coming to Charleston? And also, what was that like coming to Charleston and getting to know this community in particular? Right before here, I was the editor of the Quad City Times in Davenport, Iowa. My office looked out on the Mississippi River. I loved that view. And that was a really interesting community. Yeah, I came here four years ago. I had never lived in the South before, except in Texas, which uh, where a lot of my family lives. But Texas is Texas. To me, I look back at my time here, and I feel like Charleston embraced me quickly. I made friends right away. Um, I've gotten to do some incredible kayak adventures, gotten to do a lot of sailing, the Charleston Harbor, just sitting right there, all these, you know, rivers and beautiful little creeks and inland rivers and lakes. It's a pretty pretty special place. And I've gotten invited to a lot of cultural things so that I can learn and understand the history of this place. It just felt like Charleston wanted me here. And I I wanna be here. I wanna talk a little bit about some of the bigger ongoing projects. While you're new to the role of executive editor, your managing editor before that. So, of course, we're already very involved in all of these projects. What would you say are some of the things that you're most excited to continue as executive editor? You know, this has been such an exciting year for us with the Uncovered Project. You know, we knew just from our experience a couple years ago writing about sheriffs that there was a lot of corruption, a lot of mismanagement of taxpayer dollars, a lot of abuse of power all over the state. And I think we actually might have underestimated how much, you know, we just started scratching the surface with records requests, just requesting, you know, just starting with expense reports and and, uh, P-card bills. And I've been surprised to see this kind of abuse of power, how many different places it shows up, not just in city government, but in these smaller agencies or in school districts. That's been a focus this whole year. And even though we're coming to the end of the year and about to put a, a bow of sorts on it, we do not plan to stop this work. So with Uncovered in particular, one of the interesting things was that 
the Post and Courier worked with smaller newsrooms in other communities in South Carolina. So I guess just first, how did that come to be part of the project? So we have partnered with 17 community newspapers around the state. These are places where, you know, they have small staffs, but dedicated staffs that are working hard to keep their community covered. But you talk to an editor at one of these small papers and they say, okay, give me a few minutes. I'm going to, you know, I'm about to go cover this sporting event. And then I need to come back and lay out the paper, write an editorial, cover a city council meeting. You know, they are, they're giving it every minute of their waking life covering their community. But do they have time to dig into 3,000 pages of emails with a highlighter and try to figure out what happened. They know about it. They know what's happening. They want to cover it. And when we approached them, we, our projects team, we sat down with a map. We divided it up. Uh, different reporters called different editors, asked if people wanted to get involved. And so many of them jumped right at it. They had piles of stories that they wanted to do that they just needed help doing. So we've used their local knowledge, their sourcing or their knowledge of the community, and then we've used our time and our resources. We're so lucky to have a large projects team, five people with years and years of experience and an ownership that supports this kind of work. Like I said, that's an interesting model. And I'm curious if you think that's something that we'll see more in local news in general, because you do have so many small newspapers that, like you said, are doing so much to cover their communities every day, but they don't have a lot of resources. Do you think that's going to be something that we see more in local journalism, that kind of collaboration between bigger and smaller papers? Yeah, I think as there are fewer and fewer journalism jobs you know, as our industry changes, I think we are starting to really see how much more we can do if we work together. I think some of that competition that drove us in years past is in the years past. And this has been a great experience for us, working with these 17 community newspapers. Now we have these close relationships. We understand who's who, what their strength is, what their interested in, and I don't see those partnerships going away. So how exactly have these partnerships with community newspapers worked after that point of connecting and deciding which stories you're going to pursue? Yeah, so the way it works is, you know, we'll work together on a story, and then we do the writing and editing here at the Post and Courier, And Glenn Smith, our watchdog editor, alerts all the partners that we're about to publish something that they can expect it on this day at this time. And then our goal is that we all publish at the same time. All the stories are free. The uncovered stories are free. They're not behind the paywall at the Post and Courier. And then they're free at all the partner sites so that the most people can read them. The way we're able to do that is that this is the first year we started fundraising to support that kind of work. So we've been able to afford to do this and afford to offer it for free thanks to the fundraising and then to offer it for free to all these partners all over the state. 
So, of course, that transitions well into another thing I wanted to talk about, and that is fundraising and how that is becoming a very important part of a newspaper's executive editor's role is, is fundraising for investigative work. So at least at the Post and Courier, how does our investigative fund work? Our business model is shifting where we know that digital subscriptions and advertising can support our day-to-day operations, but something like Uncovered, where our first story cost us $38,000 to do in records requests, in labor, in travel. That's just not the kind of thing that the regular business model can support anymore. So I actually participated in a class at the end of 2020. It was in a first-time class, 16 newspapers around the country participated. The Tampa Bay Times the New Orleans paper, Sacramento Bee, papers from all over the country. Uh, We were mentored by somebody from the Seattle Times. They've been fundraising now for about 10 years to fund their, especially their education coverage. And we learned how to, really how to not be afraid to ask. That was really the biggest thing. They taught us how to put together campaigns, how to work through just work through the model. Our goal right now is to fund our investigative team. So we were able to do that last year. We raised $500,000, which funded our investigative team for one year. And then we also raised uh, more than $600,000 to fund a brand new endeavor called the Education Lab that launched on September 1. And it's funded for three years to focus on education reform in South Carolina. Let's talk more about the Education Lab because like you just said, this just started, it's very new, and also the way that it's supported is starting with this this new model, this, this fundraise model. What's going to be different about the Education Lab versus the education coverage that people have already seen in the Post and Courier? So we have beat reporters, but then we have this education lab, which is staffed by investigative reporters focused on one thing, which is the need for education reform in South Carolina. In 2018, we published a five-part series called Minimally Adequate, where we really dug in. We had five journalists spending 10 months digging into the history of our education system to try to understand why are we consistently at the bottom. Uh, And after we published that, we had forums all over the state. Hundreds of people showed up to each one of these forums. They were passionately talked about the need for change. Lawmakers made promises. And then three years later, what's happened? And so we feel like the Post and Courier, if we put our shoulder to the wheel for the next three years and maybe longer than that and focus on nothing else but the need for change in our public education system, that we can make a difference. We have an editor who's already started. Her name's Hillary Flynn. And we have a reporter who has been hired and starts in two weeks in Greenville. And then I'm interviewing right now for another reporter and for a data journalist, all to be focused on this one effort. 
The Post and Courier recently moved its offices. We're at a new location and also kind of changing the format of reporters, uh, more of a hybrid model like a lot of workplaces are doing after the pandemic. So I guess could you describe just kind of how that how that works right now and how has that kind of changed the the day to day? September 1st, we moved to 148 Williman, right off of Meeting Street. It's kind of in that tech slash barbecue corridor. You know, it's in the old Blue Acorn building. So it really does have this startup vibe. And we went from a newsroom that we'd been in since 1954 and all those piles of newspapers and all that history to, you know, a brand new modern building. Like you said, we've gone to a hybrid model where we're partly remote and partly in person, just like a lot of offices are doing now. We have, you know, these little tables on wheels that are near outlets and people can come in and out. And so it does, it feels like a new era for us. So one of the big changes that's happened during your time at the Post and Courier is that the newsroom has grown. It's now in other parts of the state, in Greenville, in Myrtle Beach, and more reporters in Columbia. We already had reporters there reporting on the state house. What is the current state of that expansion and how also do you think the just the scope of the paper has has changed from adding those newsrooms and adding those reporters? We have total 92 journalists at the Post and Courier and 11 of those are in Columbia, five of those are in Greenville, four of those are in Myrtle Beach and as of March, two of those are in Spartanburg. We opened a brand new newsroom in Spartanburg at the request of the community. People approached us, invited us up there. Uh, We had meetings with people and actually received some donations to launch that newsroom. You know, as the business model changes and newsrooms get smaller and smaller, and as we have an ownership that supports us and a readership that supports us, we saw an opportunity to go statewide and to fill some of those gaps. And we've done a lot of it by demand. People have, they enjoy the way we cover the news, they enjoy our our brand of journalism, and have asked us to come into their markets like Spartanburg, like Greenville, and a lot of support out of Columbia and Myrtle Beach. And we have plans, I don't want to give anything away, but plans to continue that expansion. I think that it's improved not just the journalism for those communities, but improved our overall journalism because we're able to have that statewide perspective. What impacts one community tends to impact many, many communities. And especially when it comes to growth, we're seeing an explosion of growth all over the state and being able to work together Columbia reporter, Greenville reporter, a Charleston reporter, a Myrtle Beach, everybody pitching in on a big story. It gives something to readers um, that maybe we weren't able to provide three years ago. You said a phrase there that I'd like to ask you about, and that's 
our brand of journalism or the Post and Courier's brand of journalism. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I guess I say that a lot. I say the Post and Courier way. Uh, When I think about this paper, one, I think this is a journalist paper. This is a this is a place where we really value the craft, the writing, the storytelling, visual that we're always trying to get better as reporters. And so when I think of a post and courier story, uh, you know, when we're doing it right, the storytelling is there, the context is there, the history is there, and you walk away with that aha moment. Like, ah, I didn't know that, or I didn't think about it that way, or I understand the world a little bit better. That's what I think is a post and career story. All right, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with Autumn, you can email her at aphillips at postingcourier.com. If you want to email us at Understand South Carolina or at understandsc at postingcourier.com or also on Twitter at understandsc. If you have ideas for stories you'd like us to cover or people you'd like us to interview for this show, send them my way. We love to get your feedback. Understand South Carolina is a production of the Post and Courier. Our intro music is by Billy Fountain. You can find his music on Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll be back next week.